What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 46 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Palo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman. And Core, another week in the books. We're halfway through now the NFL season. Let's get right into it. Yeah, let's, uh, let's get right into this, um, to this week. A lot of upsets, but ready to talk about it. Yeah, listen, we mentioned week eight of the NFL season. That was the week of the backup quarterback. Week nine, it was the week of the underdog, man. It was unbelievable on Sunday. I think more underdogs won than favorites. I guess we'll start with probably the two ones that mattered most with playoff implications, being that both these two teams now are the number one seeds in their respective conferences. We'll start in the NFC over where the Arizona Cardinals traveled to San Francisco to play the 49ers. And in this game, the Cardinals were a little shorthanded. We were unsure about Kyler Murray's availability, DeAndre Hopkins as well. They both did not end up going. No problem, though, for the Arizona Cardinals. They win this game 31-17. Scores, honestly, a little closer than it even really should have been. The Cardinals had a healthy lead in this game behind Colt McCoy and James Conner. I mean, they got they got turned back the clock a little bit once Chase Edmonds went out. I mean, Conner's had a nice bounce back year when it comes to, like, a touchdown standpoint, but almost ran for 100 yards, had a long touchdown catch. Uh, yeah, I mean, this Cardinals team at 8-1 and one right now, obviously they had that slip up against the Packers that they almost won late in the game. But, I mean, this is an impressive win. I definitely thought the 49ers, this would be a spot where they'd be able to get up. They knew that they had to have this win, and especially with no Kyler, like kind of pathetic, if you ask me, from the 49ers that they weren't able to uh, really compete in this game because it wasn't, it wasn't close. Yeah, I mean, for sure. In a, in a game where, you know, former Texas GOAT, Colt McCoy has to step in. And, I don't know, this guy Colt McCoy completes 22 out of 26 passes and then prime James Conner. Comes out of nowhere, I think this, um, I don't know, maybe this Cardinals team, I'm not saying Cole McCoy is necessarily good, but I think like at other positions like James Conner to have, um, I guess a backup running back, I mean, kind of like complimentary, but a guy who could come in when Chase Edmonds goes down shows like the depth they got. But yeah, I think the 49ers in this case, uh, I don't know what's good, a home game against a backup quarterback and, and you get blown out, I think. Just, that's not obviously not a good sign. I think Kyle Shanahan. I don't know what he's um what he's got to do, but I think he's got to start winning some games because if this team continues to lose, he he could potentially be on uh, on the hot seat. But yeah, I mean the Cardinals show this is an impressive win, especially with no Kyler Murray, no DeAndre Hopkins. They still go into San Francisco and uh and blow out an NFC uh opponent. Yeah, from I'll wrap it up with the, like from the Cardinals standpoint. I think yeah, it was a great win, obviously. Improved to eight and one. They set themselves up real well for the second half of the season and their playoff future. But the San Francisco 49ers, I mean, yeah, now at three and five, they're all in that, like a miss, that mediocrity, see a mediocrity in the NFC playoff picture. It's like there's a bunch of four win teams and three win teams fighting for the last wild card spot as of now. But yeah, you mentioned Kyle Shanahan and possibly being on a hot seat. I mean, it's crazy to think everybody thinks of Kyle Shanahan as oh, one of the best offensive minds of football and he is, but I mean, in the one, us take out the Super Bowl year that the 49ers had in 2019, Kyle Shanahan doesn't have a winning season with the 49ers. Yes, I know he's dealt with a lot of injuries and stuff like that, but I definitely think the seat should be getting a little warm on Kyle Shanahan. I'm not necessarily saying that he's a bad coach, but there's definitely, there, there has to be a disconnect there. Like I said, I mean, the, the record doesn't lie. They have one winning season under Kyle Shanahan. Yes, it was a very good one, but they didn't even win the Super Bowl that year. So it almost, um, We'll have to wait and see what happens. I mean, Trey Lance, too. Um, it, it, a lot of his future, if you ask me, depends on Kyle Shanahan's future. I'm curious to see when they go with Trey Lance, if they get a little bit more desperate. Not saying at all that Jimmy Garoppolo is the problem. He actually had a good week against the Bears in that win 
And then last, I mean, he just, like I said, they went down, so he was just throwing the ball. His numbers look a little better than they were. But, um, yeah, good for the Arizona Cardinals and for the San Francisco 49ers. It's panic time. They got a tough game on Monday Night Football this week at home against the Rams. To back to, if they were to drop back-to-back divisional games at home, that uh, definitely doesn't leave a good taste in their fans' mouth or uh, doesn't help anybody over there. But um, moving on to the Titans in the AFC. I mean, the Titans on Sunday Night Football, no Derrick Henry. They easily could have just, like, rolled over and been like, all right, Rams, like, we we don't have Derrick Henry today. Uh, we're getting used to our offense. Just take this one. Not at all. I mean, their defense has taken a complete 180. I thought their defense would be a straight liability this year. It's not at all. They had Matthew Stafford confused. Matt Stafford, I mean, one of the most bizarre plays that I've ever seen. I mean, Carson Wentz, I know, did it like kind of the week before, but I I don't expect that on Matt Stafford to make that that, inter- that interception that he threw. Like, just, just eat the ball there. And then he throws the pick six on the next drive. So, um, yeah, I mean, the Titans, their offense didn't have to do a whole ton of work, but they did the job. They did just enough, and uh, they get a big win to improve them to 7-2. and two. Yeah, I mean, I saw it was kind of a bad sign Sunday night football. I know, I think Mike Tirico actually picked the Titans, but everyone else picking the Rams, you know how that usually ends out. But I don't know, yeah, like you said, in this game, the Tennessee Titans defense was, um, they just looked, I don't know what's got, gotten into them. They looked really good. They were Matt Stafford was getting blown up by Tennessee Titans defensive ends. Two straight in it, like literally an interception. Stafford throws in his end zone. They score. Then the next possession, a pick six. Like this was a game. It's not something like here you hear often, but the Tennessee Titans kind of leaned on uh, on that defense. They're leaning on the run game and Derrick Henry, but Derrick Henry's obviously out, so they gotta they gotta adjust, and that's exactly what they did. In this game, improving to seven and two on the season. I mean, Ryan Tannehill only threw for one forty three, but like that's all he needed because the defense in this game really stepped up and um, kind of put the team on their back. Yeah, one guy on that defense I remember really all game. He had a great day. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons, former defensive end out of Mississippi State, I believe he was a first rounder in twenty nineteen, if I'm not mistaken. He's had a real good season, finally healthy, and uh, three sacks in that defense. I mean, he was just wrecking that poor left guard on um. The Rams. I remember, like one of the, like he bull rushed him. It was, oh, it was a phenomenal pass rush move. But if you ask me, which of these two are more impressive, the Titans winning that game or the Cardinals? Both so impressive. Obviously, even with the Cardinals without Kyler, I'll still side with the Titans here, just because I thought like the Titans. Play, like, I, I've just never really been as sold on the Titans, and they've completely like they continue to prove me wrong. I think without Derrick Henry, too, them still being able to beat a top opponent is. Real impressive, so I'll hand this one to the Titans, and they just showed me that they could maybe win in a different way than I really thought was possible. Yeah, for sure. If you can say which one's more impressive, I don't really think it's that much of a debate. I think it's definitely the Tennessee Titans, the L.A. Rams, arguably definitely like a top three team in the league before this game, arguably the best team in the NFL. They go in to SoFi Stadium and go get a win. The Cardinals did have an impressive win, but the 49ers have not been – the 49ers honestly don't have a quality win this season, but yeah, definitely the, uh, the Tennessee Titans going to, um, into LA, I think was more impressive. And one thing I'll leave off with core with these two teams, I'm curious how you feel. I don't know. I'll offer my thoughts on it. Who do you think either of these two teams keep the number one seeds in their conference? Cause as I said, I think Tennessee has like half a game up in that and both and Arizona as well. Both they're both half game up in their conference. You think they keep that lead or you think they end up, uh, Still, like, b- being around the top, but not number one. 
See, I mean, the AFC is kind of, um, kind of like, there's no real team right now that's sticking out. But I know they just have a tough loss against um, a bad team. We'll talk about that after. But I don't know. I'm still, I still think by the end of the season, I think the Buffalo Bills will be the, um, the number one team in the AFC. I think Tennessee will be up there. But I think I don't think they hold on to that. I know they're, they're like one and a half games. But I still think the Buffalo Bills will be the number one seed. And then the NFC, I don't know. I think this. I'm not saying the Cardinals are the best team in the NFC. Like I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl or come out of the NFC. But I don't know. I think it's their year. I think a win like that, I think I think the Cardinals do hold on to that number one seed in the um in the NFC. I think they've proven this far that they're good enough. And I don't know, I think in the regular season I don't think anyone's gonna pass them. So I think the Cardinals hold on to it. Yeah, I mean with the Cardinals, I mean they have that game against the Rams, that second one, obviously they beat them the first game. That'll really, if you ask me, determine if the Rams have a shot at it, because if the Cardinals were to beat the Rams there, then the Cardinals would really be like two games up with with the tiebreaker, you know what I mean? That's tough to overcome when you're such a good team, like, for the Rams to overcome that deficit. Um, and then the AFC, it'll be interesting to see if that Buffalo-Tennessee tiebreaker comes into play because of the head-to-head matchup. But, yeah, I think Tennessee actually – I don't know who I think is more likely to hold the seed. I think Tennessee is more likely to hold the seed only because I just think that the AFC – like, I love Buffalo. I think they're a good team. I think they ultimately will get the number one seed. But I think there's just – like, in the NFC, I can easily see – I think Green Bay – the Rams and Tampa Bay are still better than Arizona, whereas in the AFC, aside from Buffalo, I can't say with any confidence that another team is better. Yet, do I think Baltimore is better? Do I even think other teams lower might be better than the Titans? Yeah, but right now I can't say that. So I think that that's where I'll go with on that. Corey, you mentioned um, about the Buffalo Bills. They had a brutal loss this Sunday. I mean, really, when you look at an underdog Sunday and you see that the Jacksonville Jaguars are winning, that there's a recipe for it. I mean, nine to six in a sloppy game from the offense. Josh Allen was, I think he turned the ball over three times in this game. The real Josh Allen was the Josh Allen on the Jacksonville Jaguars. He had an interception and a forced fumble, uh, as sack as well. I mean, the guy came to play. He was sick of it. I, one of the best things I've ever seen was Jacksonville's, uh, Twitter account. They cropped Josh Allen's face under Michael Jordan's when he was like, and I took that personally. Uh, so yeah, I mean, good, good win for the Jacksonville Jaguars. First real home win, because technically that win in um, London kind of as a home win for them. But uh, yeah, hopefully, yeah, I mean, without James Robinson too, which is even more impressive. So hats off to the Jaguars and the Bills. Hopefully, it's just um, hopefully it's just one game. But I mean, they they kind of had an ugly game against the Dolphins the week before. Then to kind of go back and like to follow this up, to follow that up with this, not great. So uh, hopefully they can um get right against the Jets this week. Yeah, I mean, um, the Buffalo Bills, I don't know what's going on. I mean, yeah, like the game before that against uh, Miami, they won, but it was also kind of ugly. I think this one, like, it, it's still the NFL. Like, the Jacksonville Jaguars still an NFL team despite um, having a 1-6 and record before this. But, yeah, I mean, Josh Allen on the Jaguars clearly took this personal. I mean, he was all over the field against the other Josh Allen on the Bills. But, I don't know, I think... I think the Bills uh, should be all right. I think this week against the Jets, I don't know, three straight weeks against the Dolphins, um, Jaguars and Jets, like those three games on the schedule, the Bills are probably thinking like these are all easy wins. I don't know if that's been there. It probably hasn't been their mindset. Maybe they've been not going as – like they've been taking these teams a little lightly. So I think in this spot after finally losing games to one, like a bad team, I think, I expect the Bills to come out 
much stronger against uh, against the Jets this week, even though Mike Mike White's playing. So you know, it might be a little tough game. But yeah, Jaguars get um get a home home win, and yeah, no James Robinson, but Carlos Hyde had no right day on the ground. But I don't know, it's just it's kind of just an ugly game as a whole. Not really that much to talk about besides the Jaguars and Urban Meyer coming away with a, a win in this one. Yeah, I mean, the Jacksonville Jaguars also lost Trevor Lawrence for a little bit of this game. I know C.J. Beathard now, the backup quarterback there, got a little bit of action, and Lawrence ended up returning into this one. But yeah, from the Buffalo side of things, you mentioned that schedule. I mean, that's also coming off a bye week, too. So you think that they have a bye, and then they go play Miami, Jacksonville, and the Jets. They're thinking that that's a pretty easy four weeks right there. So sometimes you just can't overlook things in the NFL. Like you said, this is still a football game. Buffalo needs to figure out their running back situation and running the football with those guys. I mean, they combined Moss and Singletary combined it for 22 yards on the ground. That can't happen. That's unacceptable. That's more of a thing that you saw from Buffalo last year that ultimately they weren't able to overcome in the playoffs. If they want to go to a Super Bowl this year, they have to be able to run the football well which they were not able to do on Sunday. Move on to another underdog court. Uh, another one that was surprising to me, the Denver Broncos. They make a statement to the league. They went 30-16 to 16 over the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, and really, the Cowboys, I, th- I think Denver, yeah, Denver was up 30 to nothing in this game. And Cowboys scored two late touchdowns. I mean, we, I really kind of clowned the Broncos all year. And I was like, well, they haven't, they, they beat all these JV teams almost. But when they put the varsity level opponents, they don't want you, they, they don't show up. Uh, they more than showed up today. I mean, their defense had, Dak Prescott and them confused. Um, Prescott obviously coming back from an injury didn't look great, but wasn't really helped by drops and stuff like that. Really just a sloppy game from the Cowboys after a nice win on Sunday night football against the Vikings. I wouldn't, I'm not, I'm not panicking if I'm a Cowboys fan, but, uh, for this, this game means more definitely for the Broncos winning than it does for the Cowboys losing this. Then if you ask me now, it's like, all right, they got a quality win against a good opponent on the road. You know what I mean? They, they're capable maybe of being a playoff team. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Dallas Cowboys dropped this game, knocked me out of my survivor pool. You know, it's all good. But the um the Broncos were a team that, yeah, like they really didn't. They beat, obviously, the Jets, Giants, and Jaguars the first three weeks. And then since then, they have not looked like a good team. I know they beat the Washington football team the week before this, I think. But, yeah, this is um this is a big win for, for the Broncos to go into, to go into Dallas at a 1 o'clock game. And um, get the job done. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater looked pretty good. Javante Williams ran uh, well, and Melvin Gordon. I mean, the rushing um, attack between those two was um, was really good. This Cowboys offense kind of looked a little um, a little sluggish. I know, like you said, there were some drops, but Dak. I mean, stats don't really look didn't really look too good. I, I mean, I know before the like, last episode, you were like. Um, is this Cowboys team different? And I was like crazy. And I'm like, yeah, then this team's different. They come out and they let me down. I mean, it was off. Um, Dak hasn't played since. I know they had a bye week in then Minnesota, so maybe a little bit of rust here. But yeah, I can't really, I can't really worry about the Cowboys after one game like this. I got to see, I got to see. Like it's only one game. I got to see them play next week against the Falcons. They got to bounce back, and I think they will. I think this Cowboys team is um, still a top team in the NFC. But yeah, big win for for the Broncos to get them to five and four, and put them right in the mix of things of um like a heated wild card race at the um the bottom of the AFC playoff picture. Yeah, the AFC playoff picture is awesome. Honestly, there are just so many teams that are right in it. Uh, definitely going to shape up for a good second half of the season. I mean, the Broncos in this game played right into their formula, played some defense, or run the football for on Dallas's side of things. I mean, you got to. 
their defense has been pretty good in the first half, definitely well beyond expectations. Uh, maybe some gaping holes. I mean, a lot of 190, 190 rushing yards. That's not a good sign. Moving on to another upset core. Uh, I mean, we don't even have to talk about that. I guess I'll talk about the Browns one first. I mean, we have the Browns, the Giants, and the Falcons all win. Not not as big of upsets, if you ask me, as the Broncos and Jaguars, but still, rightfully so. I guess I'll talk about the Browns one because I guess it was the one in biggest fashion. I mean, the other two games are pretty close. 41-16, to the Browns won in the divisional game over the Bengals. I mentioned that that Bengals loss might have uh, – the Bengals loss to the Jets might have broke them. Uh, hopefully it did. That's what I'm honestly hoping for. And, yeah, I mean, Burrow throws like a 100-yard pick six in this game, and Nick Chubb just keeps on running. That defense for the Bengals is getting exposed a little bit. And, uh, yeah, not a good sign if you're the Bengals. I think with the Browns winning, the Steelers also won this week, and the Ravens, you drop a game in the division, technically they're like tie- they're in last now because the Browns have a tiebreaker over them, both 5-4 and four and a good AFC North. But, um, yeah, I think it was a big win for the Browns. I thought they would have that victory in a game without Odell Beckham Jr. They uh, didn't miss a beat. Yeah, I mean, two weeks before this, the um, the Bengals are heading into New York, flying high at the top of the AFC, and then they blink two weeks later. And right now they're they're out of the playoff. Like, they're not in the playoffs as the season ended today. I mean, I don't know. I was kind of feeling the Bengals, but I don't know. After two straight losses like this, kind of being a little concerned. Um letting up 34 points, I think, to the Jets and 41 to the Browns. I think the Browns got back to their, um, got back to their game plan here. I, Nick Chubb rushed for 137 and two touchdowns. I think that's got to be the identity of this Browns team. They have a really good offensive line. And I'm not saying, I think Baker is, I think he's more than a game manager, but I think if you're going to, like, you can't put, the, I don't think he's a guy like you could put the ball in his hands like 35, 40 times. They didn't need to in this game because they were up, but I think, I think the focus has to be the run game, and that's exactly what it was. And I don't know the the Browns secondary in this one, and and the defensive line had five sacks. But the secondary did a great job on uh, on Jamar Chase. Um, I know Denzel Ward, Jamar Chase kind of slipped, but that was great coverage. Takes a hundred yard pick six. I know Greg Newsom played some good coverage on Jamar Chase, who um, the last two weeks seems like um, teams have been trying to eliminate those big plays that. Uh, that he's just been so good at in the previous seven weeks. But I don't know, maybe that could be um, a problem for this Bengals offense. And the defense certainly hasn't looked good. I might be a little, I'm kind of a little worried about them. But yeah, big win for the Browns here um, against an AFC North opponent following the uh, departure of Odell Beckham Jr. I think for the Bengals, there's no better thing than this week, it being their bye week. Because I got two tough losses, you know what I mean, from a sense that like, you should, they should have never lost a game against the Jets in a divisional loss. You go on a bye, let's regroup, let's get everything together. Coming off the bye, they got a tough matchup against the Raiders, so they got to get up for that game. That's a game that they have to have, if you ask me, in that AFC race. Um, another team that won in the NFC South battle, we had the Falcons beat the Saints. If you ask me, the Falcons go up early in this game, and then Trevor Simeon's asked to throw the ball from behind, which is not their formula to win at all. I don't think, like, I still don't think, Trevor Simeon should be the guy at QB. I don't know if Taysom Hill was at full health. I know he ended up playing, and he ended up getting in there for a little bit. But um, with Alvin Kamara maybe a little banged up, I, I don't want to say maybe the Saints are in a little bit of trouble. I don't necessarily think that the Saints are this, like, guaranteed playoff team that, like, maybe their record might say or something. But, um, yeah, I think I think it was a nice one for the Falcons. That puts the Falcons, like, having a nice little bounce back to their year right into uh, 
the thick of things. I think that was Young Young Way Koo's two third game winning field goal. Yeah, because he won against the Giants and he also won against the Dolphins. So I mean, the most clutch kicker in the league behind Justin Tucker might be my boy Young Way. <laughs> yeah, I mean Young Way, another game winning kick. I think um in this one, not like this was a game. The Saints fell behind, like what was it seven twenty three to six, and then the Saints come back, score a touchdown. And I think everyone's like, you know, the Falcons, they never, they just choke. They're ne- they're not winning this game. Then the Saints missed the two-point conversion. And then a big play to Cal- Cordell Patterson down the right sideline. Then Young Waiku hits the game-winning field goal. I think, I don't know, I'd say the Saints in this one, I don't know. I think they, they're, they're really inconsistent this year. Like, they show games where, like, they look good and then they'll drop games at home against the Falcons. I just think, I can't call this team, like, I don't think anyone thinks it, but they're I just they're just not like a full like playoff contender. I think they might squeeze in, but like I don't see this team really like doing anything. The quarterback situation, I mean Taysom Hill came in for like two plays and this dude was actually slinging the ball. He had like two dart completions. I think one to Deontay Harris, one to someone else. Trevor Simeon did a right in this game. I don't know about you. I know Mark Ingram was great with the with the Saints and in, in his previous tenure pale, but like he did all right on the ground, but like I don't know why. Maybe they want to give Alvin Kamara some uh, some like some rest or like not put him out every play. But honestly, it was kind of like a split. Like I don't. Know, I think it was almost like fifty fifty until like the um, the last drive or something like that. I think Alvin Kamara is one of the most dynamic players in the NFL. Anytime the ball's in his hands, the um the Saint like he is picking up yardage after the catch. I don't know if they want to just like give him some blow, but. I don't know, I think Alvin Kamara, I know he's banged up now. Like, that game against Seattle, like, they completely leaned on him and they got the win. I think they got to give him just more touches. Like, there was a play. You saw that play. He's literally just signaling his hand, not even moving. They mm-hmm. toss him the ball. He picks up a casual, like, 12, 14 yards, I just think. In this offense, Alvin Kamara, like, that game against Seattle was a prime example. Like, if he's not hurt, I think he's just got to get fed for this offense to um, yeah. be more explosive. Yeah, I mean, sorry to cut you off there, but uh, tough for anybody who owns Alvin Kamara in fantasy. I wonder who that could be, Core. But uh, moving like Mark Ingram, uh, yeah, maybe maybe they just want to limit some of Kamara's workload because yeah, they lean on him so much in those games against Seattle. They want him fresh down the stretch and stuff like that. But yet, with no really dynamic playmakers on offense outside of Kamara, you got to you got to find something. You know what I mean? It's gonna be very difficult to win games and stuff like that. Maybe Odell. To the Saints. I know that's one of his final three teams. We'll get to that a little later. I think that's a very good fit for both parties there. Uh, real quick, I'll mention the Giants, their victory against the Raiders. We recap that as well on our special uh, gridiron edition of the New York Giants. If you want to watch that episode, that is posted as well. But uh, yeah, big win for the Giants. The Giants defense played real well. They were able to hold Vegas out of the end zone, really, force them to kick a lot of field goals deep in their own end. And um, yeah, at the end of the day, Quincy Roche gets a nice strip sack. Xavier McKinney also had a pick six in this game. The offense didn't do anything. They ran the ball well, but, like, Daniel Jones barely even threw for over 100 yards in this game. But, yeah, it was a defensive victory from the Giants. Puts them at three and five. Uh, three and six, excuse me. And if they if they had maybe another win, if they were four and five is what I was getting to, maybe they'd be in a playoff picture. I still think at three and six they got a shot, but uh, they, they definitely need some help. But definitely a nice bounce-back win after kind of really giving the Chiefs the game back in Monday Night Football, like really never taking that victory from them. From that. Yeah, I mean, the Raiders um, in this game just clearly did not capitalize on uh, 
on opportunities. Credit to the Giants, though, for, for limiting that. I mean, the, the Raiders are a team that, um, I don't know, I, I thought the Giants were a good bet in this game. Just cause the, the Raiders on the, especially at MetLife, I know they won last year because, you know, the Jets were in straight tank mode and let Henry Ruggs catch like a 50-yard touchdown. But since then, like, I don't know, they just do not play well at MetLife Stadium. I thought the Giants at home following a um, a loss to the Chiefs would be a good bounce back. And, yeah, I mean, Xavier McKinney, like you said, a 41-yard um, pick six. The offense clearly got outgained by the, by, the, by the Raiders, but, hey, they found a way to win this game. Three and six. The NFC, I mean, you never know. There's still still plenty of time left. The Giants can get on a little bit of a run. I mean, it's always possible to uh, to make some noise uh, in the uh, NFC wildcard. Playoff picture, I mean, if you look at the bottom, like teams like the Falcons, Panthers, Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota's kind of a disappointment. Like the Giants, I don't see any team out there that stands out. So I think at 3-6, and six, the Giants are um, are still in the playoff picture for sure. Yeah, I think one team, I mean, Seattle, maybe I think getting Russell Wilson back. I know they only have three wins. I think that might be one. But, yeah, San Francisco, two with three wins. I don't really see them. That's crazy. It is being that much of a step up from the Giants. Giants really turned the season around with that win against the Panthers in week seven. Put together three solid weeks since that. with that. The Panthers, the Chiefs, and the Raiders are uh, going there by this week. They have a big Monday night football game coming off that in Tampa Bay. So we'll have to wait and see for that. Core, a little bit of quarterback uncertainty we have in the NFL, especially this past week due to injury. And, I mean, really, if there was an injury, I think there would still be some uh, uh, uncertainty. I mean, the Carolina Panthers dropped to four and five after kind of getting dominated by the New England Patriots. Bill Belichick just owns Sam Darnold. Darnold throws for three more interceptions, and now he's going to be out with uh, an injury. I can't remember what he injured, though, off the top of my head. So it looks like they're going to go to P.J. Walker as their QB. It's just a tale of two halves right now for Darnold. I mean, once he lost Christian McCaffrey against the Texans, his season kind of – uh plummeted in a sense. I mean, he had a decent day against Dallas, but turned the ball over a lot. I mean, this is the second time now he's thrown three interceptions. Um, Yeah, just not great for the Panthers here in their offense that a lot of people, like, you know what I mean? They got some playmakers on there. And even Joe Brady, a guy who, in like, getting a lot of head coaching interviews this past offseason, obviously came from LSU and that explosive offense. It was looking so promising after the first two weeks. And now it's like their offense has struggled every week. I know they finally got Christian McCaffrey back. wasn't really – in his full McCaffrey-like role, but, um, I mean, three points two weeks ago against the Giants, or three weeks ago against the Giants, and then six points against the Patriots, that is, uh, it's not very good, so hopefully the Panthers, for their sake, can figure something out, but it looks like it's going to be P.J. Walker from the, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I mean, since the first three weeks of the, uh, the season, this Carolina, Carolina offense has been pretty, pretty bad, I think. I don't know, Teddy Bridgewater is looking at this team right now, and he's like, Hey, I mean, we were losing some close games, but I was doing a better job with this offense. I don't know what's good with Sam Darnold. I think, I don't know. I don't know if it's time to just claim him to just not be like a capable NFL starting quarterback. But I don't know. Three interceptions. I mean, yeah, I'll give, I'll give. I'm not gonna give him a a pass, but you know, I mean, Bill Belichick. He he remembers his Jets days. He he knows he he could put the clamps on Sam Darnold anytime he wants, and that's exactly what he did. This guy throws three picks and I I don't know I think PJ Walker coming in personally at this point I wouldn't even call it like like a, a like downgrade prize I might even call it a downgrade at this point like I think PJ Walker could come in and at, I'm not saying he's going to elevate the offense but I don't think they take really like a step back I don't know how much more of a step back you could take at this point so 
I don't know. I'm curious to see what P.J. Walker can do. If P.J. Walker comes in and, like, does a decent job, like, I think Sam Darnold is – I'm not saying P.J. Walker is going to be the starter next year, but if if he does better than Sam Darnold, I can't see how Sam Darnold, like, gets this job um, going forward next year. Yeah, I mean, I I don't really think P.J. Walker – P.J. Walker right now, he he can only elevate the offense because the offense is in the gutter. Uh, Yeah, I I really don't even see P.J. Walker plays bad how Sam Darnold can get another shot next year. It's just – it's the same inconsistencies that he had with the Jets. Like, you you don't know what Sam Darnold you're going to get, and now he's in one of those funks that it's like, oh, beautiful. Like, this is the Darnold we have, the one that turns the ball over a bunch. But his – Outlook then for 2022 is uncertain. I mean, even for the rest of this season, so we'll have to wait and see. The Panthers will have to wait and see. They play the Arizona Cardinals this week. That's going to be an interesting game, especially if Kyler Murray is available for them. Uh, but moving on to another quarterback, he got ruled out. Like, I mean, technically wasn't ruled out because he had to be the emergency quarterback for Tua Tagovailoa on Sunday morning. Something arises about his finger that like it's it's hurting whatever and he's kind of like would be limited so they go to Jacoby Brissett they end up beating the Texans in an all-time ugly game I think there was like all the time maybe nine turns something disgusting in that game like a, a ton of turnovers in that game what would you expect you had the one in the, the one win Dolphins against the one win Texans but uh with no Tua probably this week too because they're playing on Thursday night uh yeah again just another guy that like you can't really rely on Tua and it's a shame because Tua was really putting together a couple of really good starts probably the like two, three best starts of his career. And then he gets this injury. It's kind of a shame that the Dolphins lost those two starts with him playing so well. But, uh, yeah, the Dolphins at two and seven, their nightmare season continues. And uh, maybe Tua's on the way out potentially in Miami just on the fact that they can't rely on him, which is a shame that maybe after year two you would move off of him. But it's just one of those things, you know what I mean? you got to be able to – your big, biggest ability is availability. And for Tua, there's been a lot of missed games so far in his career. Yeah, there have been um, a lot of missed games, but I think Tua, like you said, he has shown some uh, some signs this year of some good games. So I don't know. I think unless the um, the, the Dolphins make a blockbuster trade for like Deshaun Watson, I don't know. I expect them to to stick with Tua going into next year. Like I don't see the Dolphins like drafting a quarterback. I can't see that happening. Come like two years or three years coming after. They just um so Tua Tagovailoa. I think I think Tua. I think he yeah. Like I said, if they don't do a blockbuster trade, I expect Tua <clears throat> to be the starting quarterback next year. Can't say the same about Sam Darnold, but I think Tua's done enough when healthy. I know they lose in these games, like a lot of these games that he's um played well in. But I don't know. I think he's done enough. If he can come back this year, I'm not sure when that's gonna be. I think he's um played good to at least earn starting spot next year and um give no, give another chance in my opinion that's fair I, th- I think he has done in that sense especially because like their his supporting cast isn't great but who knows i mean if they yeah if there's a chance to land a big fish like a deshaun watson potentially i mean i don't i don't even think he'd want to go there but like aaron Rodgers, obviously with all the uncertainty about him i mean maybe it's another old quarterback went down to florida and won a super bowl why can't they persuade aaron Rodgers to do the same in miami but uh core we're halfway through the year. We're going into week number 10. And uh, we had some predictions earlier in the year, and I kind of want to recap on some of those and uh, maybe get into them. I mean, we'll start. We'll go with the main ones here. I guess we'll start first with our MVP predictions. I had Patrick Mahomes. Core, I think you had Kyler Murray, correct? Yeah. So I think on a, on a reaction standpoint, I think it's very fair to say that you're winning that race for sure, as Kyler Murray's in the MVP race, while Patrick Mahomes is barely squeaking out victories to Jordan 
love the Jordan Love led Packers. Oh, but by the way, oh, Jordan Love's mom. I mean, we do the stock up, stock down. Stock down is the Kansas City Chiefs like director of tickets. Whoever put Jordan Love's mom in the top top row of the stands, like that 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 was tough, man. That was messed up in that game. But getting back on track here, yeah, I mean, Mahomes is turning the ball over. Uh, more than he ever has in his career while Kyler Murray's leading the Cardinals to an 8-1 record in the top seed in the NFC. So, yeah, I think it's fair to say that you're winning that prediction. Uh, I'm going to change my – I'll change my my midseason pick, I'll say, will be Lamar Jackson. I think what Lamar Jackson has been able to do this year for the Ravens, I don't think you can argue that there's a player more valuable in the league to his team by a sense of they continuously have to come back. And, yes, you could say that, oh, they're getting a little lucky on squeezing out games. But, I mean, it, it, he's the common denominator. And it's, he's continuously leading his team back. You have the game against the Lions. You have the game against the Colts. The game this past week against the Vikings. Uh, he's finally proving that narrative wrong. He's playing some real good football. So, yeah, I'm going to change it to Lamar Jackson. It might not be – maybe I could go with the safer pick in Stafford, Br- uh, Brady, or – Josh Allen, I think all three of those guys are capable too, but I want to go a little boldy here and I'm going to go with Jackson picking up his second one. More and so because of how impressed I've been with Lamar. Yeah, I mean, Lamar Jackson, personally, like most valuable, I kind of agree. Like, I think Lamar Jackson, like you take Lamar Jackson off that team and, um, and put in like Nick Hudley, I think his name is. Like, this, this Ravens team is definitely suffering a lot, but I don't know. I think somehow, Lamar Jackson's not going to get this award and you know I had Kyler Murray like which was a solid pick but I don't think I don't think Kyler Murray is really gonna I don't think he's gonna pull it out either I'm gonna I'm kind of gonna go with the chalk a little bit here I think the GOAT at age 44 I think how good of a season he's having how good of like his team's playing 25 touchdowns second in the league in yards I just think Tom Brady like Especially since he's 44. If he continues to do this, which I think he will, like he's not look like he's slowing down at all. I think they're going to, I think Tom Brady's going to win the MVP. So that's my, uh, my midseason prediction for MVP. Cool. I'm not going to lie. If I picked Kyler Murray preseason, there is no way I'm jumping off that ship. I'm, I'm being like, yeah, I picked him early. I'm staying with it. But listen, Tom Brady, unbelievable. Like I said, I think the three front runners right now, even with how good Kyler's been, would still be Brady. Allen and Stafford, I think all three of them are deserving. So I could sit here right now and wouldn't be mad at all. I'd be happy if all three of them won. But I'll go with Lamar Jackson here, like I said, because I also want to give him the credit he deserves. Super Bowl team score, then we'll also recap before we get into our last topic and our game picks. Um, my Super Bowl matchup was the was the Rams and the Browns. And I feel okay about that right now. I like the my the Rams were my Super Bowl winner. I feel good about that halfway through the season. I'd love to see them beat Arizona. I wouldn't really like them to go into the playoffs losing both games to Arizona. But as we saw last year, the Buccaneers did lose both regular season games to the Saints, and it ended up not being a problem, even as a wild card team, which the Rams would probably be a wild card team if the Cardinals continue at this rapid pace. But yeah, I feel okay about that. I know the Browns, they might have had a ugly week against the, like losing that game against the Steelers, but they bounced back nice against the Bengals. So, um, yeah, I, I feel, I feel good about my prediction. I, I can't recall yours off the top of my head. So, I, think, um, yeah, I was chiefs. Yeah. The chiefs, chiefs, Packers, which, um, I mean, like I gotta, I'm hopping off the, the chiefs bandwagon. I think Farron Rogers comes back, you know, I'll ride with the Packers there, but for the AFC, it's kind of tough. It's honestly pretty tough. I'm going to, I think, I think the Buffalo Bills, I'll take, I'll take, I think the Buffalo Bills will, um, eventually get back to, um, to form 
And yeah, I think the Buffalo Bills will uh, will come out of the AFC. So I'll take the Bills. I think the Bills versus the the Packers is still uh still my prediction. I mean, gonna be my prediction. Yeah, I, th- I think the Bills right now are the front runners in the AFC, and I definitely would agree with that too. I think you, I could easily change mine, but I think again, it might be more the one that I picked one in the preseason that it looks all right right now. So I think I think I'm going to just stick with it, and we're, we're going to hope it. We're going to hope it plays out. But yeah, the Bills for sure, I think are going to get back on the right track. I think they end up taking the number one seed in the AFC. What's an interesting note though is that they haven't played either game yet against the New England Patriots, and if the Patriots. I mean, if they win one, they give themselves a shot. If the Patriots win both, I mean, Buffalo, as crazy as this is, could be in trouble for the AFC East, which is nuts to think about. And the Bills and the Chiefs potentially being wildcard teams this year. But just the way we, the world we live in right now. Core, real quick, before we get into our game picks, I mentioned earlier, Odell Beckham Jr. has narrowed his choice down to three after he officially got released last week. We really talked about how he was going to get released. Now he has officially been. The Saints, the Packers, and the Chiefs are his final three. Core, I'll start with you first. Where do you think Odell will go, and where do you think Odell should go? Because if it's it, for me personally, I don't think it's the same answer, but I guess we'll wait and see. I think Odell should go. I think he should definitely go to the Green Bay Packers. Um, depends what he wants. If he wants the best chance at a ring this year, I think the Chiefs would be the answer, but, like, they just don't look that good. So, I think the Green Bay Packers, if he could line up across from um, Devontae Adams and have Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball, I, I, I just think that would be the best the best spot. And I was thinking he was um he was going to go to the – nah, you know what? I, I still think he's going to go to the Packers. That's my same answer. I think I think he should go to the Packers, and I think he will go to the Packers. I think that would make the um, – Especially with how the Rams have upgraded uh, their defense and everything there, I think if the if the Packers wanna level up and compete at the top of the NFC, I think they will regardless. But if they want to take another step, I think they gotta go and um, get OBJ, and I think that's what happens. Yeah, I think Odell. It comes down to a simple choice: how bad does he want to win versus how bad does he want the ball. Because I think if you look at the two in the Packers and the Chiefs, they're going to give you the best chance to get the to, to like win. If you ask me, compared to the Saints, I don't think that's a bold take at all. But if you want the role that you're used to, there's no better place for them to go in the NFL right now than the Saints. Obviously, with that Michael Thomas void that they have now in their offense, they need a star receiver there to get eight to ten catches a game that they just don't have. You know what I mean? Right now, they're trying out Marquez Callaway. We mentioned aside from Alvin Kamara, they don't have any playmakers. So. From that, from that sake, I think Odell, if he wants that, like, I, which I think he, I honestly just think he needs, because he was on a good, this is my thing, he was on a good, he might not have had a great quarterback in Baker Mayfield, which I think is still crazy that, like, Baker gets completely dragged through the mud with this Odell situation, you know, like, he was winning games, you know what I mean? That's the thing, like, Odell was winning with the Browns, and he was still, like, not happy, you know what I mean? And then when they when they get upset, that's when it starts to go out. Odell was fine with Eli Manning. Yes, Eli Manning is a veteran. He's a pro, he was a pro quarterback with the Giants. He knew how to make his star receiver happy and get him the ball. But he doesn't need this like elite quarterback to make him good. That's I I personally think he should go to the Saints because it's just going to give him the volume he wants. You know what I mean? It'll almost like appease him in that sense. I think if you go to the Packers and then he starts getting targeted three four times a game, it's like I'm like. What was different then with the Browns? Why? Because you're on a little bit better. Of it. Why? Because now you have a better quarterback throwing you the ball. Yes, I know that makes a difference, but like, you're. I, I thought the whole thing you were complaining about was that you weren't getting the ball. So I think Odell really has to put get his preferences in line and then go with it from there. I think if he wants to win, go with the Packers, and if he wants the ball, go to the Saints. I I really don't think the Chiefs should be in play here. I think that would honestly be. I think it'd be pretty crazy if you went to the Chiefs though and you get like 
and he turns back the clock to his old, like, 2018 self. I mean, I don't think he'll ever be, like, his giant self again, but, like, if he could be, like, 98, 85, 90% of that with the Chiefs, I mean, that's just another weapon that hopefully can um help fix up their offense because it's been sluggish recently. But, Court, let's get into our game picks for this week. you got five that we're going to talk about a little more in depth and then just give you the picks for. First one we'll start is the Saints and the Titans. Saints traveling to Tennessee there. Titans three-point favorites coming off that win against the Rams. I think this is just a letdown spot for the Titans after winning that game against the Rams. You know what I mean? Every All week now people are going to be talking about, oh, the Titans are the number one seed now in the AFC. They just got that nice one on the road. And the Saints, they just lost that game to the Falcons. They know that their playoff hopes are in danger a little bit. Like you said, that NFC playoff picture is murky at best. I don't necessarily think the, play- the Saints are a playoff team, but I think their defense is good enough to give this Titans team a lot of trouble. And offensively, I think they're just going to be able to do just enough to squeak this one out. They definitely need Alvin Kamara in this game. I know he might not go. So I'm going to take the Saints plus three and to win the game here on um, condition that Alvin Kamara plays. Yeah, I think, I don't know, this line seems a little um, little weird. I don't know. I don't really like, I don't know, the Titans coming off a really big win in L.A. Saints coming off a loss to Atlanta. This might be a little bit of a trap. I think if Alvin Kamara plays... I think the Saints were able to win this in a, in a bounce-back win, but I think if Alvin Kamara doesn't play, I just unless they sign Odell Beckham and he plays this week, like I just don't see the explosive. Like, I don't see how this offense is explosive enough to to get any points. I mean, enough points to win the game. So I'll just I'll do it like if Kamara plays, which I think – I don't know if he's going to play, but I think – I'll just say if he plays, I think the Saints obviously cover plus three and win, and that that's going to be my – uh. My pick, because I'm banking on Alvin Kamara to play. So I'll go with the Saints. And listen, and as an Alvin Kamara fantasy owner, I'm sure hoping, I, I bet that you're hoping <laughs> that Kamara can go this week. Uh, moving on to our next game, like big game in AFC playoff implications. The Browns travel to New England to play the Patriots. Patriots are two-point favorites here. Two teams that are built very similarly. They love to run the football and let their quarterbacks, you know what I mean, work off that, lean on their defenses, which are the, like, uh, just to kind of, you know what I mean, keep these teams in the game and just churn the clock. Um, I think Cleveland's just built better for it. I know, especially with Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson all banged up, their status is in question. I, I, I know I'm going against Bill Belichick here against Baker Mayfield, but I'm, I'm going to side with the Browns here. I mean, I just said that I'm going to take the Browns still to be that I'm not going to change off that prediction of them making the Super Bowl. Do I think that they will necessarily? No, I still think Buffalo, but I'm going to, I said I'm going to keep it as is. So I'm not, I'm not hopping off ship yet. Ship yet. I'm going to go with the Browns to build off that nice win against the Bengals to get a win here in Foxborough, which would be a, a big win for them. Yeah, I think this should be a really good game. Two teams, uh, two solid teams in the AFC. I know, I think the, the Browns just made a, a, a state, not a statement win, like just coming off a good win in Cincinnati, but. I don't know. I think the Patriots, Bill Belichick, and um, and that team, the defense playing good. I think they're kind of hitting their stride a little bit. They had a lot of tough losses earlier in the year, but coming off three straight wins, you know, I like the Pats in this game to cover um two and a half and obviously just win outright. I think Mac Jones has um I know he didn't throw for much last week, but I think he's gotten he's obviously improved. I think if Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson don't go. The run game might be a little bit of an issue, but I don't know. I, I, I like the Pats in this one, and they're hitting their strides, so I'll ride with them in this one. All right, Corey, moving on to an NFC battle here between the Seattle Seahawks traveling to Green Bay to play the Packers. Packers are three-point favorites here. A 
all signs are pointing to Russell Wilson returning this week for the Seahawks coming off their bye week. Chris Carson, too, might be in play. Aaron Rodgers' status is still a little bit in question. I think he has to, he has like Saturdays the earliest he can come back with COVID protocols. So as long as he keeps testing negative, he should be able to go on Sunday. Um, this game got me torn in both ways. Seattle needs this game more than Green Bay does. Uh, I'm definitely going to take Seattle to cover here. The plus three, I think it's just going to be a real close game. And you know what? I'm going to take Seattle to win because I just think the story in Green Bay is anything but football right now. It's all been talking about how Rodgers is things. And I, that, that, that's why I'm going back and forth here because I know Rodgers is just so, like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's just such a Rodgers right now to go have a performance right now and be like, remember when you guys were talking about this? Yeah, I don't. Just go, let me just play football and stuff like that. Uh, it's almost like a shove it win from Rodgers. And you know, I'm, I'm going to take, I'm going to take the Seahawks to cover, but I'm going to take the Packers to win in a real close game. I know three is like kind of a weird thing. But kind of hedge myself a little bit, I guess, in that sense. But yeah, I think Rodgers kind of uh, just reminds people that uh, who he is. And again, it's a, it's a shove it win for Aaron Rodgers. I think Seattle's defense just isn't good enough again to contain them. And honestly, the Packers' defense isn't talked about enough. I think that that defense is a more than capable unit. Uh, I'm not sure if Jair Alexander's back, but they definitely are going to need him back this week against DK Metcalf. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Russell Wilson comes out of. Um comes out in this game if he plays I think he definitely comes out I think he comes out ready to go I think he comes out slinging it he knows um the sense of urgency for the Seattle team but I think in Green Bay if Aaron Rodgers plays like you said this type of thing like Aaron Rodgers just like I don't know he's very like like when people talk he just seems like he doesn't really care like he just goes out he plays football I think that's what's going to happen here so I'll take the Packers minus three to uh to win the game here uh, one interesting note is that David Bakhtiari was activated today off, uh, it was either the IR or the pup list, either one of the two. I think it was, I, I can't remember the two, but he, it looks like he, he's got a chance to go too. So who knows about that? And I just saw as well, Jair Alexander was present at practice for the first time since week four. I don't know if necessarily that means that he's going to go because like, I mean, not really practicing yet, but. Interesting to definitely keep an eye on the Packers injury report as we get later in the week. Chiefs minus two and a half against the Raiders on Sunday Night Football. This game is in Vegas. Um, uh, last year, the Raiders played the Chiefs very well. They beat them in Arrowhead. And then on Sunday Night Football last year, they gave them everything they had. And then Mahomes went down the field, I remember, in like a minute. And everybody was like, I remember, I actually remember that. If we were like, is there any doubt with Patrick Mahomes that sometimes like you can't just leave any time on the clock? It's It's no problem for him. I think the Raiders, I think the Raiders are going to come out and win this game for, I really do. I think after that Giants loss, it's going to sting a little bit that they weren't able to finish drives and stuff like that. More importantly, the Raiders were the team that seemed like they figured out a way to beat the Chiefs before anybody else did really and caught on to that last year. And I think now with the Chiefs like kind of free falling a little bit, I'm not like, I know they just won, but it wasn't a convincing win at all with a backup quarterback in for Green Bay. I, I just think that the Raiders are Gonna, like, I think the Raiders are definitely, like, they haven't figured out they're going to win this game, and I don't think the Chiefs, a team that's skidding right now, will now all of a sudden magically figure out the Raiders. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Raiders to win this game. I think Derek Carr is going to need to have one big performance. I think their defense is going to be able to do just enough to uh, contain the Chiefs and really um, put, have them push the panic button in Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, the, um, the Raiders were able to, like, compete with the Chiefs last year, like, really well. There were, like, a lot of high-scoring games. So the Raiders did not really show much of an ability to stop the Chiefs. But I think, I don't know, I think this line, I don't know if Vegas just still, like, I think they still give the Chiefs, like, so far this year, I think they still give them 
too much respect just because they're Kansas City Chiefs. But off this year, like this line being two and a half for the Chiefs, I think it's just a just a terrible line. I don't know if it's a trap, but I love the Raiders in this game. Coming off a loss at MetLife Stadium, I just think I don't know. I think back home in Vegas, the Chiefs barely beating Jordan Love. I I just think the Raiders in this one. I love them to win this game and um, cover plus two and a half just went out right. I think they get the job done. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned a team coming off the loss like the Raiders. Another team that I love this week coming off the loss is the Los Angeles Rams on Monday Night Football uh, traveling to San Francisco to play the 49ers Rams four-point favorites here. I think that the 49ers, again, you didn't beat Kyler Murray and stuff like that. With the Kyler Murray-less Cardinals, like that, that, that's brutal if you ask me. Now you're going to get the Rams coming off that bad loss to the Titans for them at home. I just think the Rams bounce back here and win like by a touchdown at least. So, yeah, I'll take the Rams here over the 49ers. And, again, back-to-back weeks that the 49ers were to drop um, divisional games at home, that is not a good sign for Kyle Shanahan and company. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Sean McVay here and uh, hope the Rams get up at halftime because they don't – Sean McVay doesn't lose when he's winning at halftime. So, I'll take the Rams here. Yeah, Pale, I agree. I think the Rams minus four here is um is definitely the play. I like the Rams to bounce back off that loss to the Titans. So, I don't know. I just think that the 49ers yet to have a signature win. I'm not even going to say they're due. I'm just going to say, like, what makes me change my opinion in this case. I think the Rams come out here and, uh, to San Francisco and get the win and cover minus four. All right. I like how we're on the same page right there with that core. We'll give you guys the rest of our game picks here. Just reading them around. I'll go with the Ravens on Thursday night football minus seven and a half against the Dolphins. I'll go with the Colts minus ten and a half over the Jaguars. I think the Jaguars got their win last week. You know what I mean? They kind of, they kind of had an easy week of practice now this week celebrating that. Uh, the Jets, I think will cover plus twelve and a half at home with Mike White back at Q, but I think the Bills ultimately win that game. I think the Lions cover plus nine on the road, but the Steelers squeeze one out there. The Buccaneers, nine and a half point favorites at Washington. I like them to cover their coming. Both of those teams come off their bye weeks, but Washington just hasn't given me anything to um, show why I should back them at all. I'll take the Panthers to cover plus ten and a half with the Cardinals to win. Still a little bit uncertainty with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins availability. And the Panthers, I think P.J. Walker could potentially spark their offense similarly to how he did last year when he came in. I think the Vikings minus uh, plus three and to win the game against the Chargers. The Chargers, I love the Chargers, but their run defense is just not it. I mean, they just squeezed that game last week out against Philly where Herbert was still Superman. I mean, if Herbert doesn't play so well, they don't win that game. So I'll go with the Vikings there. I'll go with the Broncos minus two and a half at home over the Eagles. I think the Broncos build off that big win against the Cowboys, and they seem to play real well against the offenses that aren't too good. Eagles offense, not not particularly great. I know they ask Jalen Hurts do a lot there. And, uh, yeah, that's actually all our picks there because we've got a couple teams on by. So, uh, Cora, I'll bring it over to you. Yeah, I mean, uh, starting on Thursday Night Football, I think Lamar Jackson is once again Superman. I think the Ravens cover minus 7.5. I think the Colts cover minus 10.5 at home versus the Jaguars. I love the Jets to cover 12.5 against the Bills with Mike White back. But I think the Bills do end up winning the game. Steelers minus 9 at home. I think the Lions, like... We're showing signs of competitiveness, but have not been like that in a while besides that game against the Rams. So I'll take the Steelers minus nine. I'll take the Buccaneers minus nine and a half at Washington. Like you said, like Washington has been a major disappointment at home. I think, I, I think PJ Walker does show, um, some flashes and sparks the offense. Like you said, also, I think the Panthers covered ten and a half. I think the Cardinals, uh, obviously win the game. 
I like the Chargers at home to win the game. I think that'll be really close. I'll call it exact push. We'll come back to that later to me being right. I think the Chargers win the game by three points. Um, I think the Eagles go into, go into Denver. I know it's a tough place to play at, but I don't know. I think the Eagles win this game. Just coming off a tough loss to the Chargers. I think Jalen Hurts has really impressed me. I think they win that game. And, yeah, I think that's uh, the end of our picks. Yeah, Corey, I actually got one more here that I didn't put at the top of our thing. I, I completely missed it up there. Uh, the Falcons playing Dallas, Dallas nine-point favorites there. I like Dallas coming off a loss last week at home. I don't think there's no way if you actually lose two straight at home, especially to inferior opponents. The Falcons just won last week, too. And yes, they have a little bit of momentum building. This is a Dan Quinn revenge game, too, the defensive coordinator now, the Cowboys. I'm going to go with the Cowboys here, minus nine, and hopefully a spot for them to get right. But I would like nothing more than the Falcons to beat them. Oh, that'd be so awesome. But I'll go with the, I'll go with the Cowboys, minus nine here as an unbiased pick. Yeah, honestly, I'm going to go with the Falcons, plus nine, but the Cowboys to win. I just think, I don't know, these one o'clock game for, for Dallas at home. Um, I don't know, it's kind of early in Dallas then. And last game, they really didn't come out strong. I think they'll definitely come out better. But I don't know. I think this will be somewhat of a close game. I think Dallas wins, but uh, the Falcons cover plus uh, plus nine. Hey, perfectly fair. The Falcons have definitely played well enough to uh, warrant that. But, uh, Corey, that's going to bring us into our college part of the show. And this past week in college football, we had some major switch-ups in the top ten. And there could have been a lot more. There were a lot of teams playing with fire this past week. We will bring up now the teams that end up did losing in the top 10. We'll mention with number nine, Wake Forest first. We mentioned earlier that they were 8-0, but it was like, yeah, they had a tough schedule finishing out with. They don't get past the first test. UNC beats them for the first time this season, 58-55. An absolute slugfest between Sam Hartman and Sam Howell. Both quarterbacks went back and forth in this game. Uh UNC scores 24 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. They were down 14. They ended up going up 10. You, uh, uh, what's it? Wake Forest scores a late touchdown in this game. Ultimately, not enough. Uh, Ty Chandler, 213 yards and four touchdowns on the ground for UNC. It just seems like maybe it's the, something in the water down there with Mac Brown, with those UNC running backs. Obviously, last year with Javante Williams and Michael Carter. Uh, yeah, Howell also passed, broke a record. I was, when I was watching it, they said it was, uh, like the most yards. For any player at UNC, so good for him and uh, a big win for UNC and kind of a down like a down season. You know, what I mean, it was kind of a retooling year for them. As much of that sucks to kind of waste Sam Howell's last year, but uh, yeah, nice win for them to kind of play a little bit of spoiler. And for Wake Forest, they're still in line to potentially go to the ACC championship, but they they got a couple other real tough tests on their schedule, so uh, they're gonna have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean Sam Hartman, obviously. Um Threw for almost 400 yards again. He's been he's been really good all year. Since obviously this Wake Forest offense, they're definitely legit. Uh, blowing an 18 point lead to um, to this UNC team definitely definitely tough. But yeah, I mean Ty Chandler had a big day on the ground, and yeah, Sam Howell pet, breaking records. Uh, like you said, probably c- kind of tough. Um, and Sam Howell's last year for them to kind of not have a good year. But I mean, at five and four now, I guess. I mean, it's only one more game, but try to just get into some type of bowl game. Uh, be bowl, bowl, eligible, bowl eligible, which I think they will be, obviously. So, I don't know. I think it's a tough loss for Wake. I'm honestly still pretty impressed with um, Wake Forest despite the loss. I know UNC's offense pretty explosive. But, I don't know, Wake Forest in this one in UNC, it's a tough loss. But I, I, I think they, they kind of showed me, like, I'm not saying they're a top team in the country, 
But for them to put up 55 points and have this game, winning by 18 points late in the third quarter, I think, I know it showed me that they um they could possibly be like a top team in the in the ACC right now. Obviously with their record, but I don't know. Kind of, show, I was kind of impressed despite the loss from uh, from Wake Forest. Yeah, listen, UNC Vegas had his favorites in this game. I mean, they were right on Vegas had had the line of like UNC minus two and a half in this. So I, I think it's a kind of like wrong to be like, oh, Wake Forest got completely upset here. You know what I mean? Like UNC was such a worse team. Like no, UNC's good. They just had a couple tough losses here and they've just been inconsistent. And Wake Forest, I mean, they were 8-0. Their schedule wasn't great, but they were doing their job. You know what I mean? They were doing enough. I don't think anybody here would have argued that, like, Wake Forest was, like, this top-of-the-top top team in college football. But, yeah, 100% right. Wake Forest is gonna should definitely be in a good bowl game because their offense is more than okay. Like, their offense is good. Tim on the five touchdowns or 400 yards, like you mentioned. I know he threw an interception kind of in this game that kind of really turned it around. UNC ends up scoring a touchdown and tied and – uh yeah, kind of a turning point there. But uh, for Wake Forest, like I said, they got a couple games down the schedule. Hopefully, they can play themselves into the ACC chip. And for UNC, hopefully, again, they get themselves some sort of bowl game. And uh, hopefully, we see Sam Howell in that. Could potentially be Sam Howell's last game there. Uh, another team core that was upset in the top 10, this time even in the top three. Purdue, they just love to spoil. The Purdue spoil makers, as the people have been calling them. Or spoiler makers, excuse me. I mean... Michigan State, they had that big win against Michigan, the epitome of a letdown spot. Uh, they're just upset, you know what I mean? Aiden O'Connell, Penn, uh, Purdue's quarterback, throws for over 500 yards. Uh, David Bell, their receiver, over 200 yards uh, for him at a touchdown. Yeah, just a tough game there for Michigan State. I mean, they were back and forth, and then uh, Purdue ends up pulling away in the second half. For a Michigan State team, it, uh, the game, if you ask me, yes, the loss is brutal, but they were going to have to beat Ohio State anyway. So now if they still beat Ohio State, you know what I mean? I still think they have a good shot to go into the college football playoffs. It's just that now after losing to Purdue, I'm not like, oh, I, they have much less of a chance in my mind of beating Ohio State. I don't think they were beating them anyway. But uh, yeah, it's still bittersweet, though, to kind of ruin the perfect season before you play Ohio State. So, uh, yeah, I mean, for Purdue, another good win, but they, they've just been too inconsistent this year. They beat Iowa, and then they go lose to, like, Wisconsin the week after. So, uh, yeah, good win, though, for them. Again, again, they just continue to upset people in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, something about this uh, something about this Purdue team, like, playing. I mean, no, they won the first game in Iowa. I don't know. Maybe they just uh, they get up for big games, and, and this one exactly what they did, probably a packed crowd. With um versus Michigan State, uh definitely was a sellout, but I don't know. Um, Alex O'Connell had a 536 yards casually, and I mean, uh, Kenneth Walker obviously did this thing for Michigan State, but I don't know. Uh, tough loss for them, big win for Purdue, but like you said, just the inconsistency on their part. Uh, not really going to result in anything. Probably just like a bowl game for them, but yeah, I mean, Michigan State uh was sitting at third. In the in the playoff rankings, obviously, um, their road was going to be tough. They had to beat Ohio State anyway. If they do beat Ohio State, like Richard said, I don't think they're gonna. Then they might have a fair case at the to to get into the playoff. But honestly, they still might not even get in. I think it's um it's a pretty heated race towards the uh, the top right now. But um besides Bama and and Georgia, but if Bama loses to Georgia in the SEC championship game, that could open up a lot. But I don't know. Definitely a tough loss for Michigan State. They would have, um, if they were able to go undefeated into um, while playing Ohio State, like if they went into the Ohio State game undefeated, maybe their chances would have been better. But I think it's definitely just um, 
a devastating loss. Yeah, there's just, like, a different feeling around the team when, like, you're still undefeated that late into the season. Like, you literally feel like you're not going to – you're never going to lose. And then you get upset, like, kind of before you're going to play that game, and it's just like, oh, man, like, that is just so gut-wrenching because if you go into that game against the better team undefeated, you feel invincible. So you're, you're going to really get up for that game and stuff like that. You're, you're going to feel like you're on top of the world, and you have all the confidence in the world that you're going to beat that team now a little doubt creeps into your mind, and that's never a good thing. Core, I mentioned those two teams in the top ten getting upset. There were a bunch of scares this past week. You had Alabama almost go down, Ohio State, Oregon, and Cincinnati. They narrowly avoid upsets. I'll specify talk on Bama. I mean, against LSU at home, Eddie O's last game, really, for the Tigers in Tuscaloosa, coaching in Tuscaloosa against Alabama for now. But yeah, they, they really – did not like Alabama just did not play well in this game at all. I mean, they've continued to be a little sloppy this year, and they're one like they barely squeezed out that game on the road against Florida. I know, like obviously losing to Texas A and M. Yes, they're number two in the country, but maybe a little war- like worry signs from Alabama here. They didn't run the football well at all this past day in Tuscaloosa, putting a lot of pressure on Bryce Young. Definitely, um. I don't necessarily like. I don't want to say it's not the same like Alabama dominance, that we, but it's not. It's not the same Alabama team that we saw last year. I think some people maybe have to temper expectations. I think that they could still give Georgia a game in the SEC championship, but uh, they, let me tell you something. They were real close to not even being there because if they were to lose to LSU. Who knows about that game with Auburn? Then with three losses in the in conference play, there's no shot you even you even get a chance there. So Alabama, if you ask me, hopefully this game kind of. Uh, Opens their eyes a little bit, barely squeaking by LSU. LSU had a chance to win the game on the last play, but they end up not. So, uh, yeah, hopefully Nick Saban can get the troops on right down there. Yeah, I mean, I think this could be tight, um, a little bit of a, a worrisome, uh, week. I mean, they were down in this game, obviously only seven nothing, but I mean, only 20 points in this game. They were, they were big favorites in this one. I know Bryce Young still had a decent day, but yeah, obviously the run game. Was uh was pretty non non existent in in this one. Uh, LSU, I guess you give them a credit for uh, coming into Bama and giving them a fight, but I don't know. I think this says more about Bama. Uh, like even in the beginning of the year, like they were looking pretty dominant. I thought Bama was going to run away and win the championship, but I mean Georgia clearly is the um, is the favorite now to win that. But I don't know. I think Bama's still second. I think Saban's too good of a coach. I think he'll get his um his guys back playing. But, yeah, this was definitely a scare, but I bet Saban's telling them, like, we got to get back on track, but we did win this game. We're, um doesn't matter how you get it done because I know he's confident in his guys. Um, obviously, it's Alabama. The talent's obviously superior to most teams. So I'm, I think Saban can, uh, can get these guys back. I know they play New Mexico State this week, so maybe just, like, a get-back right game against them. And then I know they play Arkansas at home the following week, so. I think Bama will be all right, but definitely a little bit of um, a concern here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the other one that I'll mention will be Cincinnati. Cincinnati in this game, I mean, Tulsa was on like their third string quarterback at one point going to the game, uh, going to ha- going to halftime, t- oh, basically tied. I mean, they were down two points at Tulsa. But, yeah, they pull, away, they pull away a little bit in the third quarter. In the fourth quarter, Tulsa scores a touchdown to make it close, give the Cincinnati a game that they're ultimately able to pull out. But, yeah. For a team like Cincinnati that's on that verge right now, they moved up to number five in the playoff rankings. You'd love to have a convincing win and really prove to the committee that you should be there. But now it's like, you know, you know what I mean. You, you they have to win in dominant fashion. They put themselves in a tough spot because they're in the uh, 
the American Conference. But they play South Florida, SMU, and East Carolina on their schedule. You'd love them to get convincing wins there. And if they can, maybe play themselves into the college football playoffs. Yeah, I mean, that's actually pretty crazy that Desmond Ritter fumbles. They get the ball at the three. And they they sell that, and they don't really and, – and Tulsa can't even get into the end zone. I know they fumble mm-hmm. like that. Believable that they re- like Cincinnati was able to stop them and just like a fumble there. Like Tulsa really had a chance to at least score a touchdown, and go for the two point conversion, but was wasn't able to do that. But yeah, I mean Cincinnati right now um, sitting at fifth in the college football rankings. Uh, they like like Bama, they dodge a bullet here, and but Bama, think about Bama. Bama has like chances to. Um, they they play better opponents, so they um I don't know it's kind of different for them, but yeah, Cincinnati in the Americans kind of tough, uh, but yeah, nine to zero. I think they're gonna need a um obviously like a slip up. I could definitely see Alabama losing another game this year. So the playoff chances for Cincinnati, um, I wouldn't say they're high, but like I give them like a forty percent, thirty percent chance. I think they could um potentially get into the college football playoff. Yeah, and you're right. I can't believe I completely forgot about that. When I was mentioning that they won the Cincinnati ended up winning the game late, yeah, it was because they, they go to need a ball out Cincinnati. Desmond Ritter like tries to like get himself a little bit of yardage because they stop they stop um Tulsa late. I complete and then he he fumbles and they give him the ball right back in like the inside the five yard line with a minute to play. And then thankfully, yeah, Cincinnati can thank their defense for that for them getting that stop there, and ultimately they're finally able to end the game and knee it out. So yeah, Cincinnati definitely a big scare there. Completely, what you all forgot about that fumble. So thank, thank you for bringing that up. Core, we got another. We had a quarterback one potential matchup this pet in Mississippi this past weekend between Matt Corral and Malik Willis. Corral ends up on top of this one. They win twenty-seven to fourteen, I believe the final score was, score was in that game. And for Malik Willis, a chance for him to really display to the country that he is the best quarterback coming out of the coming into the draft this year. A former Auburn quarterback transferred to Liberty. Definitely had a tough game against an SEC defense. Three interceptions, something that you don't love to see. Corral wasn't really Superman this past week. Only throws for a touchdown, but I mean, again, 300 yards in the air plus, and then you just rely on the run game that was good for Ole Miss. Uh, yeah, I think right now, as it looks, if you ask me. I mean, you, yes, there's Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, if you ask me, is below those guys. Uh, Grayson McCall, who knows what his future holds now because he's injured with the um, with Coastal Carolina. Spencer Rattler, of course. Uh, Kenny Pickett will be up there, I guess, as well. Obviously, he's a little older, though. I think Matt Corral is quarterback one right now for the 2022 draft class. I think there's a lot of uh, uncertainty, and I do think, though, that there's not, like, I think, if a lot of quarterbacks from last year, like out of the top five, I honestly think if any of them were in this draft, they'd probably be the number one quarterback, which just goes to show you. Yeah, I think like if I think if Mac Jones was in, was at Alabama now, I think he would be QB one. But uh, for now, like, Corral holds that title, and I think Corral deservingly so does. Like I don't think Corral's a bad prospect in a sense, but um, yeah, I think maybe it's a little bit of an uninspiring QB group potentially coming. But we still have over a month of playing college football, and of course the pre-draft process. These guys have a ton, ton of time to get better and uh, showcase the teams why they're deserving of a high draft pick. Yeah, I mean, for sure, I think in this game, um, Liberty, obviously Malik Willis also probably going to be a um, a top quarterback off the board. But, yeah, Matt Corral gets the win here. And like you said, um, I know obviously Bryce Young can't leave for the NFL yet. I think, obviously, I think he's the best quarterback 
in um in football, CJ Stroud also really good, but obviously they're both young. Um Spencer Rattler, I don't know what he's gonna do. He might just transfer to another school. So yeah, I think with that being the case, I think you're kinda right. I think Matt Corral is um is gonna be the first quarterback taken in uh in the draft right like right now. Uh yeah, I don't think Matt Corral like last year Matt Corral's probably like the fifth or sixth best quarterback, but that was just like a really good QB class, despite most of those guys not really succeeding in the NFL just yet. But yeah, I think if you're gonna tell me right now, I think Matt Corral um is the best NFL ready, I guess, quarterback um to be drafted in uh, in the twenty twenty two draft. Yeah, I would def I would I would agree with that for sure. Core, before we get into our game picks, we'll just react to the new playoff rankings. Obviously, there had to be some switch up with Michigan State losing. They dropped all the way down to seven, which I think is fair for them to drop to seven. But what it, it what it, it's crazy if you ask me that they fall one spot behind Michigan after beating Michigan the day before Halloween, uh, October thirtieth. On like, I just don't get what the point is. I I hundred percent like. How do you have? Oregon above Ohio State, but then you don't have that same standard for Michigan and Michigan State. Like they they just played like that. That's absurd if you ask me. The fact like it's almost like the committee's a scam now. Like I, I'm a Michigan fan, and I think that is crazy that Michigan is still ranked over Michigan State. I, I, I truly think it's absurd. I don't care throw, like not even throw resumes out completely. I mean, both these teams are Big Ten teams. I mean, Michigan State won. They have the win over Michigan. They also have a nice win over Miami. And what does Michigan have? I mean, Michigan beat Wisconsin on the road. That's their big win, I guess, this year. They, they beat a Nebraska team on the road, I think, as well. Yeah, like, that's it. Washington at home, Washington's not very good either. So, yeah, I, I don't know. For Mich- if, I'm Michigan, if I'm a Michigan State fan, I'm absolutely pissed that they fell behind Michigan this week. So, I, I mean, I think that's kind of a screw job. No, yeah, I, I honestly agree with that. I don't know what the um, what the committee – it's not really like a fair system – Kind of a scam, like you said. Oregon over Ohio State definitely um, definitely should be the case because they did beat them, and Michigan State beat Michigan outright. I don't get why Michigan is um, is ranked higher than Michigan State. I think that's kind of um, kind of a joke. And I know Oklahoma obviously sitting undefeated there, at number eight in the Big Twelve. I guess um, the committee doesn't see a quality win. I think if they're able to to go into Baylor, I think the number thirteenth ranked team. I don't think Baylor's like a great team, but if they can go in there, I expect them. I think they, they'd be able to jump Michigan and Michigan State just for being 10 and 0, which, um, I think, yeah, I think that should be the case at least. I think a team that's 10 and 0 in a Power 5 conference, if they do win this week, I think should be higher than teams that have one loss, but I don't know. Yeah, interesting that you mentioned that because I was thinking about bringing something up about that. Obviously, Oklahoma just on their bye week last week, so they didn't play, obviously. Michigan didn't play as well. Oh, no, Michigan beat Indiana this week. I'm sorry. But Michigan, like, with two spots, they're, they're two spots ahead of Oklahoma right now, right? With them playing Penn State this week, if Michigan still were to win and Oklahoma were still to win Baylor, I don't necessarily know if, like, they value that win on Baylor so much over Penn State that they would jump Oklahoma there. I think Oklahoma should definitely jump Michigan State. Do I think they should jump Michigan too? Probably, but like now that they're not, like you know what I mean. I, I I just think like those wins are not similar, but like not enough for Oklahoma to go jump two spots in them. I I do think Oklahoma though should be ahead of Cincinnati if they beat Baylor. I I just think, especially since like Oklahoma's been two different teams with Caleb Williams at quarterback too. They've been 
they, they, they're deserving of a higher ranking with Caleb Williams at quarterback. I'll leave it at that. Another, other move in the, in the poll, Texas A&M moves up to number 11 after a nice win against Auburn. I know obviously Wake Forest had to drop out of the top 10. Auburn also drops down. Purdue finally sees themselves ranked at 19 and, uh, Pitt jumps back in their rankings at 21. But core, that's going to bring us into our game picks. You mentioned that game with Oklahoma and Baylor. That's the first game we'll talk about here. Oklahoma eighth in the country, Baylor 13th, Oklahoma five and a half points here. And I'm just going to keep on rolling with the Caleb Williams train. Like I said, they've dropped 50 points in two of the three games that he started. And there's nothing really else to it. It's Oklahoma's real offense with Caleb Williams back there. I'll take Oklahoma minus five and a half here as they're able to get a real convincing win for this committee. Yeah, I think Oklahoma um, sees the committee disrespecting. Not really disrespecting, but I mean undefeated number eight of kind of not a great ranking. I think they take that personally. I think they come into Waco, Texas, and get a win here and cover five and a half points and improve to 10 to 0. All right, Corey, moving on to an SEC battle. Number 11, Texas A&M, two-and-a-half-point favorites, traveling to Mississippi to play number 15, Ole Miss. I love Ole Miss. I'm a big fan of Lane Kiffin and Matt Corral. But I just think this Texas A&M team is real good. I know they slipped up early against Arkansas and Mississippi State without their quarterback, but obviously they beat Alabama, and their team's finally ready to start to hit their stride. And as much as I love those guys on Ole Miss, I just think Texas A&M has a lot more talent on both sides of the ball. So I'm maybe not – maybe not in the – Overall cumulative talent on the offensive side, yeah, obviously not at the quarterback position. Matt Corral and, uh, is phenomenal. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Texas A&M minus two and a half here, getting a win on the road and really playing themselves into one of the best bowl games that they could possibly be, particularly a nice New Year's Six one. Yeah, I mean, this is um, – Texas A&M's kind of hitting their stride right now. They go into uh, – go into Ole Miss. I think – I'm going to side with the home team in this one. I think Matt Corral gets it done against uh, number 11, Texas A&M, and uh, wins the game. Al Ryan covers two and a half. All right, moving on to a Big Ten battle. Number 19, Purdue travels to Ohio State. Ohio State's fourth in the country, and they're 20 and a half point favorites here. I'm going to take Ohio State here to lay the points, minus 20 and a half. I know they haven't looked great these past two weeks, in a sense, but Purdue, I mean, I think history repeats itself, right? They beat Iowa, and then they had a huge, huge loss to, like, Wisconsin. They lost, like, 30 to something, I can't remember, but they lost by like double digit points for sure in that game. So yeah, I'm going to go with Ohio State here to just kind of roll Purdue and Purdue after a, n- a nice little win for Purdue. It's like, all right, that kind of, um, uh, get humbled a little bit in a sense. So yeah, I think Ohio State hits their stride. I don't think this is a look ahead spot, uh, cause Ohio State has Michigan State in a couple weeks, but, um, yeah, I'll go with Ohio State here for sure. I don't know. I think Purdue, um, they have some bad losses, but they have some good wins. So I think. Not bad losses, but like losses like they could probably win reflecting off the teams they've beaten. I think in a game like this against a good Ohio State team, I think it's it's all points, all signs leading to a letdown game. But I think 20 and a half, going to take Purdue, Purdue to cover 20 and a half um, as they've shown like they could play well against good teams. So, yeah, I'll take them 20 and a half. But I think Ohio State at the end of the day, C.J. Stroud. And uh, those receivers and everyone, I think they get the job done and win the game. All right. And our last game that we're going to pick here is number 16, NC State travels to uh, number 12, Wake Forest. I mean, this is a game for the ACC championship. I mean, Wake Forest, 8-1, and one, NC State, 7-2. and two. Winner takes the lead in the Atlantic Coast Conference, like their, their section of that, the Atlantic section of that, I should specify on. 
yeah, I mean, this is this is basically a playoff game for both of these two teams in that sense. I'm going to side with the home team. I'm going to go with Wake Forest bouncing back from their loss at Chapel Hill in UNC. I think that Sam Hartman is just – and that offense is too explosive for NC State, although NC State's offense is real good with their quarterback, Devin Leary. So uh, I think it's going to be a real good game, but ultimately I'll go with Wake Forest here to win. Yeah, I'm going to go with Wake Forest here at home. I think they came off a tough loss to UNC. I think back in Wake Forest, I think this is a big game with um, big implications. I like Wake Forest here to uh, to get the win and cover the spread. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. Be sure to check us out on the Instagram at the deep ball underscore. We'll have some stuff up there as well. But, uh, yeah, enjoy the week of football. Should be a real good slate in college football. A bunch of ranked matchups, as we just mentioned. And, of course, in the NFL, we got some uh, real good games with playoff implications as we're halfway through the season there. But, uh, yeah, that's going to do it. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.